play call by Charlie White. McLean is back in there and he'll hand it to his big guy this time. Touchdown number 11 on the season for Jaron Mango. Oh, easy! Easy to Marcus Gregory! 307 yards on the ground for USF. Add to it and add a touchdown. Kelly Joyner Jr., his first touchdown. Alright, let's do this one here on this Monday as I record. Yeah, I know I said I was going to record on Sunday. And yeah, I said I was going to record on Sunday night. But, you know, sometimes you just get tired. <laughs> and that's what happened on Sunday. Man, I was I was, uh, I was was slumped. I went to bed on Sunday about 10 o'clock uh, for the first time maybe since I was like a sophomore in high school. Which, uh, which, you know, wasn't as long as when some people say, yeah, I was a sophomore in high school, but for me it was a good about six years, so, um, <laughs> it was funny, but, uh, welcome back to another, uh, edition of the Fletcher and Fowler podcast here, as this is the post-game podcast, recapping USF and Temple from Raymond James Stadium, uh, which took place on Saturday October 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Will Turner, taking you through this one as USF ends the streak. They end the streak. I'll say it again. They ended the streak. Now, if you're new to the program or new to USF football, you're going to ask, what's the streak? Well, the streak is USF had gone 728 days in between their last FBS win and Saturday's win over Temple. 728 days, okay? 17-game slide against FBS opponents that they ended up breaking um, on Saturday against the Owls in a 34-14 win, and uh, even more so, kind of even more um, important about the win, the two-year anniversary of that last win at that point, was just three days away, which at the time of recording would have been tomorrow. So it would be October 26, 2019, when USF went to Greenville, played East Carolina, who we'll talk about later this week, uh, 45-20 to at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville. So big week, big win. <laughs> An important win for USF and and what they're they're trying to do and Jeff Scott's been talking about all this improvement that they've been showing. Um, last week was the week to show it and that's exactly what they did. So we'll take you through this one uh, pretty much from start to finish as we do. The game went pretty quick. It was only two hours fifty seven minutes. It didn't even take three hours. So uh, that was a nice little change of pace there um, from that perspective. But uh, before we get into all that, if this is your first time listening to the Fletcher and Fowler podcast, we do appreciate you hopping on, checking us out, and seeing what we're all about here as we continue to grow this within the USF space. This is We're still south of 10 episodes. We're getting pretty close, though, so uh, I love the feedback that we've gotten so far, and I'm greatly appreciative 
of the feedback that we've gotten so far about the podcast. So we are on all the major podcast distributors between Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. So make sure to check us out on those four if you are listening in your favorite browser with the megaphone.fm app all of these podcasts well most of these podcasts but that's because i was in a rush to get the temple podcast posted Um, all of these podcasts are embedded within uh, the stories that we put uh, up on bulls247.com first of all uh before i get into you know the 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 bulls247 stuff i just have to really 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 say thank you to the usf community um because yesterday and today as i take a look here um on our uh board here we are up uh yesterday and this morning sent uh set a brand new um single day sign up and subscription record since i've been on the site uh which is now for uh, three seasons so over the last 24 hours uh, we have set a, a brand new subscription single day subscription record over at bulls 24 7 and the last time that we did that was cyber monday in 2019 and remember usf was going through coaching search at that point so just a regular you know sunday and a monday after a win um you know that that was pretty really really cool to see so first of all thank you so much to the community Uh, for doing that. We are greatly appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, I was really surprised too. It wasn't, you know, obviously folks were hopping on and taking advantage of our, you know, month, uh, first month for a dollar deal over, over there. But I was just really surprised with all the folks. Um, we got at, at least 10 new annual subscriptions, which is, which is cool to see, you know, the, uh, the folks that are hopping on for, or that are going to be hopping on over at the website for at least a year. So, um, again, greatly appreciate that. Very thankful to the community for that. And, uh, you know, we just like USF is going to keep the momentum going, we've got to do the same thing over at Bulls247.com. So we're going to continue to do that this week. Uh, JJ Garrett and I are already talking about what we can do. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will have some recruiting pieces this week. I know I've been pumping it out, but uh, we've already got a transfer piece, a, a VIP uh, piece of, about transfers on um, the message board and all that good stuff so uh, make sure you check that out if you haven't already done that uh, we've dropped on campus stadium news on the message board we've uh, obviously had quarterback news we've had team news um, everything that you want to know about the team is likely going to be on bulls247.com make sure that you head on over there um, always we we are currently running as we always do you can get your first month for one dollar that's one dollar. Um, that's cheaper than uh, a Buddy Brew coffee. That's cheaper than Cigar City Highlight, Cigar City anything. You like going to Copper Tail instead. Um, that's cheaper than than one of those beers over there for your first month. Get your first month for one dollar at Bulls247.com. Or if you are feeling a little bit more uh, ambitious and genuine, we always do have our thirty percent off annual deals over there. Evens out to about six twenty-seven a month, so still cheaper than, than than a craft beer in most spots. So uh, definitely consider those deals over Bulls247.com. A lot of USF fans have already uh, hopped on uh, this week, so it's been great to see. And uh, we'll have some PFF stuff with uh, with grades and and snap counts and, and stuff like that. So make sure to check out those deals over there. So 
And regarding the podcast, if this is your first time listening, again, we do appreciate it. And if you are feeling generous, we would greatly appreciate any feedback that you have. And uh, please give us a rating. And hopefully it's a five-star rating on uh, all the major podcast distributors. So without uh, further ado and without rambling on anymore, because I just wanted to make sure I got all those thanks out because it was a huge, huge, huge Sunday and, and Monday for us over the site. So I wanted to make sure we said thank you to as many folks as possible. Um, but we got a game to break down here, and we got a win to break down for the first time uh, since uh, September, and we didn't even have the podcast ready to go then. So we were excited to, to be able to cover uh, USF's first win over an, FC, uh, over an FBS opponent in 720 days, and uh, Jeff Scott said that while the streak was kind of in the back of their minds, you know, they, they couldn't think about that. They couldn't dwell on it. They you know, Brad Cecil kind of said the same thing. Yeah, we knew about it. We knew it was a thing, but we couldn't let it dictate us. And we couldn't, and, and you know, USF couldn't let that streak, um, you know, just 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 uh, run rampant in their minds or else they were going to, you know, potentially lose the football game. So we take you into this one, and honestly, uh, Jesus, you take a look at that first quarter, and oh my God, we, uh, I, I'm standing there on the field, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. So USF drives down their opening drive stall. Spencer Schrader, who's been money this year, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Spencer Schrader uh, doesn't even get a chance to kick the opening field goal of the game because there's a botch snap um, that sends the ball skittering away. It ends up being a 24-yard loss on itself because that's credited in the rushing category. So Andrew Beardall, the long snapper, was charged with a 24-yard loss. But even more so, Temple picks it up, and they go nearly all the way down the field with it. But uh, if not for for tight end Chris Carter, uh, Temple doesn't get on the board. Um, or Temple gets on the board there. So so Chris Carter makes a outstanding play, grabbing the uh, Temple uh, guy from, um, from behind uh, on the five-yard line. I mean, just just remarkable effort from r- remarkable effort from from Chris Carter there. So that was really cool to see. Uh, Jeff Scott told reporters today uh, they clocked him at twenty one point one two miles per hour, which is the fastest he's been recorded in a USF uniform by probably a lot. So um, the only person higher, the only person that ran faster was T.J. Robinson, uh, who ran just over twenty two miles per hour. So. That was that was pretty impressive within itself. Uh, next drive, USF. Uh, next next Temple drive. I'm sorry, from the five yard line, they get stopped. Uh, they get a holding call that saves a potential jet sweep touchdown. So USF gets off the field with that, um, or excuse me, gets a break with that, and then gets off the field because Mikayla Point makes one heck of an interception. Um, credit Christian Williams as well in play uh, to give USF the ball back there. USF starts their next drive at the 823 mark of the first quarter, and they drive right down the field. I mean, they, they convert a big third and five early. They get a fourth and two from their 50-yard line. We'll get in the fourth downs a little bit too later on. But they get a fourth and two from their 50. USF goes for it, which uh, <laughs> you can tell is is the staff learning because that's a play that they didn't go for two weeks against, uh, at the beginning of the month against SMU. So it was good to see the staff learn there. They pick up a f- big fourth and two. Uh, in that first quarter, and then they get a couple of chunk plays. Jaron Mangum goes for 11. Chris Carter goes from, for 8 on 2nd and 12 to get them into a manageable 3rd and 4. Brian Batie goes 11 from there. 
USF marches right down the field, takes up 13 minutes of the possible 15 in the opening quarter. And, you know, as, as you can tell, we'll get into the time of possession matter as well in, 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 later on in this podcast because it was a big, big point emphasis this week. Um, USF ends up going down. Jaron Mangum is, of course, money in the uh, red zone and inside the 10-yard line. He scores his 11th touchdown of the season from one yard out. And USF goes up. Uh, USF goes up seven nothing there. So big play, important uh, for USF. They'll get off the field um, after a uh, they force a, a second and nineteen. Uh, Temple tries a double pass on that on that drive, but they are unable to get it to go uh, for nine yard loss. So Temple gets behind the sticks and they're unable to pick it up. So USF forces the punt there. The, de- the defense does a good job. USF then rips off a 12-play, 93-yard drive. Um, really, really good to see them do that. They get helped out by an illegal use of hands to the face by MJ Griffin uh, on a fourth, uh, on a on a first and ten after a fourth and one from the 27-yard line of Temple goes for a three-yard gain from uh, none other than Jaron Mangum. Timmy McLean converts a second and goal. A few plays later with a touchdown pass to Demarcus Gregory. That's his first in a USF uniform. Um, and it, it could have even been his first career because I don't remember if he had a touchdown at Ole Miss. But uh, Demarcus Gregory gets in on the action. Good to see him. That's McLean's first touchdown pass since Florida A&M week. Um, and just his second on the season. Uh, USF goes up 14-0. But just as quick as that pass to, to Gregory um, on the previous drive, it seems like Temple scores pretty much just as quick on the ensuing. After an offside penalty uh, and, and a touchback goes to the Temple 30, Dewan De- Mathis, the former Georgia Bulldog, goes 70 yards to Randall Jones on the first play. Christian Williams gets beat in coverage, which, you know, uh, he's working his way back in the rotation. So it's not necessarily uh, upsetting to me to see that because of the fact that, you know, he's trying to work himself back in the rotation. He's He's been out since the NC State game, um, since the second half of the NC State game. You know, he's still he's still just trying to get in the rotations. So, you know, and, and and as we could tell, it's not really the 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 end of the world. Um, but yeah, so Temple gets a big play there. USF fires right back with a 26-yard field goal from Spencer Schrader. Uh, we'll talk again about Spencer later on and what he's been able to do. You get a 21-yard rush from Timmy McLean on that drive, a 15-yarder from Kelly Joyner. Really was good to see Kelly Joyner get back in the rotation and have a positive game um, for him. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. USF takes a halftime lead, 17-7. Thought Temple was going to try and go for it after a touchback with 19 seconds to go on all three timeouts, but they did not. We start to the third half. Temple gets the ball, and they go eight plays, 75 yards. Uh, they cut right through USF's defense on that drive. They get a 20-yard pass from Mathis to Randall Jones on the on the first play of the uh, drive, and then they get a 20-yard pass from Mathis to Sadie um, for a 20-yard. Uh, so they get two 20-yard chunk plays there, and uh, they never see third down on that drive. Uh, so that was a little concerning there out of the gate, especially after halftime, but Temple did what they wanted to do there. So it turns into a 17-14 game. USF needs an answer. So what do they do? They march right back down a the field. They go nine plays, 43 yards. Travis Marsh is in the game now for USF. We'll talk about Timmy, Timmy McLean's status and health coming into ECU week uh, later on in this podcast. But Travis Marsh comes in, leads them down to the Temple 35, nine plays, 43 yards. And Spencer Schrader, folks, 
Um, left hash, 52 yards. Uh, one of the longest kicks in the conference this, this year. Puts it right down the pipe. From the left hash, hooks it back to the center. And when you when 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 you say something's right down Broadway, that kick was right down Broadway. Um, great to see for Spencer Schrader. Nine of nine on the year. Nine of nine on the year for him. Um, he was four for four on PAT as well. Earned an American Athletic Conference uh, selection to the weekly honor roll in the conference this week. And uh, I think he's proven, you know, depending upon how he finishes the rest of this season, I think he ends up uh, for sure. Uh, I think he ends up a, 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 as one that could that could kick on Sundays, especially within the, um, you know, already kicking in an NFL stadium at Raymond James. So Schrader gets that. Temple goes three and out on the next drive. USF takes the ball at their 33. Get the, They get good field position. They take advantage of it. They go nine plays, 67 yards, including a 24-yard rush from Jaron Mangum. They never see third down on that drive. Um, so just like Temple did on their opening, USF never sees third down on that drive. Um, Travis Marsh, you know, completed one pass on that drive because that's all you need to do. It was a four-yard, uh, three-yard pass to Bryce Miller. So Kelly Joyner gets a two-yard rush, steals one away from Jaron Mangum there. Uh, with uh, with that one, 27-14 USF after three quarters. And uh, Temple ends up, the, their final drive of the third quarter ends up stalling. USF takes a 13-point lead into the fourth quarter. And they ultimately salt this game away with their final drive of the, final scoring drive of the, 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 the game. Their first drive of the fourth quarter. They go nine plays, 73 yards in 4-13. And uh, Jared Mangum, again, 12th touchdown of the year. Goes one-yard gain. You get an 18-yard rush from Ryan Batie. Then you get a 13-yard rush from Jaron Mangum in there as well. So, again, chunk play, chunk play, chunk play, and then you get a touchdown there for as a reward. Dewan Mathis is picked off by Antonio Greer on the ensuing possession, second game with an interception for him. Um, and this one was was more ridiculous than the first one. I mean, he has to make a, a great play on a ball behind the receiver. Ball was kind of sailing behind him, but Greer does a great job of adjusting and getting the ball. Uh, there usf starts out at their 30 at the 35 of temple uh cade fortin comes in the game unfortunately they're not able to extend the lead they go for it on fourth and one from the temple 11 daring felix is stuffed behind the line uh, for a short loss temple goes out and they get a three and out usf recovers a punt and the backups are in at this point so there's at this point the game's over so they Hold the ball off for the final five minutes and 54 seconds of the game. They hold the ball for 13 minutes and 26 seconds of the quarter. So that's two quarters in themselves where they held the football for 13 minutes. Because we already talked about the first. We'll get into the time of possession. I said, like I said here a little bit later, USF runs uh, pretty much all over Temple. Um, that was kind of the story of the game. So, USF... Snaps the losing streak and and they improve uh, to five and uh, excuse me three and five against Temple in the now eight games they've played. They snapped a three-game losing streak against the Owls. The team ran for 421 rushing yards. That's a school record. They held on to the football for 44 minutes and 35 seconds all told. That's a program record. 
Um, it would have been 445 yards if not for the for the loss uh, that was counted on the uh, field goal attempt in the first quarter. That went for a negative 24 yard gain uh, or 24 yard loss rather. So that was that was uh, it would have been 400. It would have been even more. And uh, you know you take a look at this. USF didn't punt once. Andrew Stokes stayed on the sideline. Um, and you take a look at uh, from top to bottom. I mean, Jaron Mangum, 26 carries, 153 yards, 5.8 yards carry. Kelly Joyner. Uh, Kelly Joyner has his, without a doubt, best game of the season so far. 14 carries, 126 yards uh, with a touchdown, 9 yards per carry. And then Brian Batie, even, you know, 12 carries, 80 yards, 77, uh, excuse me, 12, uh, 12 carries, 77 yards, uh, 6.4 yards per carry uh, from the Sarasota Natives. <laughs> from the Sarasota Natives. So across the board, USF completely runs over Temple. They run for nearly six yards a carry. Um, Temple rushes for about six yards carry, but they only got a chance to carry the football uh, three times, <laughs> or 13 times. So I think they were sitting at like 5.8. Uh, or something of that nature if I go back and take a look. Temple rushed for, excuse me, they rushed for 2.6 yards. That uh, was their average yards per play. That was 6.4 uh, overall. But they did only get 34 plays compared to USF's 94. Yes, that's 60 plays more than what Temple ran. And USF was only 0.8 yards, so 8 tenths of a yard uh, average yards per play uh, behind Temple in that category. So, and the crazy part about it to me, when you take a look at it and kind of go deep into the, uh, you go deep into the the stats here, um, USF ultimately didn't need to throw the football that much. They were 15 to 21 for 105 yards and a touchdown. Um, but you look at the the second, you you really look at the the average depth of throws. And a lot of them were screen passes, a couple of slants here and there, a few, uh, only a, f- a few yards per, you know, that the ball was in the air. There's a, a good amount of rack uh, in in there mixed within, um, you know, or, or you know, yards after catch. Yak is the is the terminology. So that's kind of that's kind of how it went down. Timmy McLean uh, exited, did not see the second half after suffering a. Uh, ankle injury. Um, his status is yet to be determined. Jeff Scott said today that he should be ready to go in practice. Um, not entirely sure if he'll be ready to go on Thursday night. They're expecting him to. Uh, they don't know how mobile he's going to be. They don't know how much they're, he's going to be able to to move around in practice, but we will see what happens there. Um, Kid Travis Marsh could get an opportunity to shine um, I know a lot of fans don't want to see Cade Fortin, but Cade Fortin could could get a chance um, to to go in. So that's that's kind of where where things are at right now. Um, and ironically, between the the final the final drive that I you know when I was recording the, when I was recording this off offer uh, or, or this when I was recording this 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 uh, podcast right. What I what I recorded his podcast, uh, freaking USF gets a gets a commit um, here this afternoon on this Monday, uh, Tavin Ward from uh, 
Palmetto Prep Academy postgrad in Columbia, South Carolina, is the newest member uh, to join the Bulls program or co- verbally commit rather to the Bulls program. He just took a visit over the weekend. I am intrigued uh, to see him over the weekend. I will get a, a chance to see him over the weekend. Uh, I'll mention that you know a little bit later in the week. We'll talk about that. It's going to be a busy weekend in the Carolinas. That should be a fun weekend in the Carolinas as USF gets ready to take on East Carolina. So, um, but before that, definitely want to have a have a few things I want to wrap up here uh, before I get to the the questions. Um, you take a look at the fourteen forty five possession time. I mentioned that I think USF did an excellent job in um, controlling the clock and it, the the second half of that game or excuse me, the, the whole game, USF only got eight, eight drives. And I really, th- it really felt like the Temple game was, was, was the second half of the BYU game, okay? Um, against BYU, USF didn't have that many drives. Uh, they only had eight. They had nine here. We talked about with the BYU game, in the second half, USF really controlled the football, and they only had three second-half drives against the Cougars in that one. USF had more than than that. They had four first-half and five second-half, including the final one to, to ice the clock. Uh, USF didn't have a drive that, that was shorter than two minutes and 50 seconds. Even their first drive of the game that, that ended up going... Um, you know, as a loss of, of, of 20 yards at the end of it, right? The time of possession was still 5 minutes and 15 seconds on that. USF still uh, held the ball uh, for a long time. Uh, 9.04 on the second drive, which was the first touchdown. 5.13 on the, on the, on the um, first drive of the second quarter. 4.19 on Spencer Schrader's first field goal. 2.50 on his second. 3.59 on Kelly Joyner's touchdown drive. And then 4:13 on the final scoring drive of the game in the fourth quarter, and then the two drives in the fourth quarter, uh, solely in the fourth quarter, 3:39 and 5:54. USF started their drives at their own 31-yard line. They did not commit a three and out. Um, they only had three, two drives stall, three drives technically. Um, the last one was was half, obviously to end the game, but uh, USF really took advantage of of, of Temple's inability to stop the run. Uh, Temple missed a lot of tackles in that football game, and uh, the defense was was fresh. You know, we've talked about complimentary football, and Jeff Scott's talked about complimentary football all year long, pretty much, and that's what USF did. I mean, their offense went and scored points. Special teams got on the ball back, and um, defense made a stop. Defense allowed 34 rushing yards on the on the day, and I know. You know that you could say something to the point where where oh well Temple only had 13 rushes and one of them was a double pass that was supposed to be run so they only had 12 rushes right but Temple also only ran 34 plays and they threw the ball 21 times so it's not like Temple was a was just an outstanding uh, rushing um, it wasn't like Temple was just this outstanding rushing or offensive juggernaut. Sure, Randall Jones had a heck of a game, four catches for 100 yards from Dewan uh, Mathis, but uh, you know USF was uh, 70 of those yards came on came on one catch. Uh, so really, it's three for 25. If USF doesn't end up 
if USF doesn't end up, you know, uh, allowing that 70-yard catch. So um, that was big for USF. Uh, obviously, they needed a win. The locker room is, is in a lot better state than it was uh, last week after Tulsa, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, everybody was smiling in the postgame, so, so that was really cool to see. Uh, I, I want to talk about fourth downs real quick. Uh, fourth, four of six on fourth downs, and the one of the two uh, uh, things that that goes negative against that is that field goal in the first quarter. So technically, USF on true fourth downs is four, was four or five um, on the night, which um, I thought that was I thought that was that was solid, and I and I can't remember a time where I I was surprised they went for it on fourth down. It was always a fourth and two in no man's land or fourth and one in no man's land. And they started picking those up, right? But just when they had that fourth and two from their own from the fifty yard line specifically in the first quarter, I remember to keep that opening drive going and they decided to go for it. Remember, USF was in that same position earlier in the month, right? Fourth and one or fourth and two from the you know the 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 SMU side of the field it, it was deeper in SMU territory I think it was like the thirty five or something and they put the football USF doesn't do that here and USF ends up you know getting a lot of the fourth downs to go they convert a few others in that game uh, four to be exact like I said that is uh, that's that's pretty admirable just in terms of you know the staff learning in some game situation now. Are they perfect? No, because Jeff Scott still called, you know, maybe another confusing timeout here or there. Uh, you know, obviously the the timeout taken a few minutes before or a few seconds before before halftime to give Temple the ball back with with um, 19 seconds left was, was a little confusing as to why they didn't run it down more. Um, you know, stop the clock there. A few people were scratching their head. Luckily, Temple uh, kneeled it. They ran it first play and kneeled it, so... Uh, eventually, uh, so that doesn't hurt you uh, there. So that was uh, that was good to see from that perspective. I'm trying to find the other timeout that I was really um, wondering about. Um, I think it was in the. It had to be in the first half. Yeah, it was. It was in the first. It was in the first quarter. So uh, USF picks up that fourth and two. Uh, from the 50-yard line, and I think Jeff ends up taking a timeout first half or in that first quarter pretty much immediately after, yeah, immediately after the fourth and two, which uh, with 4.07 to go in the first, which I don't know why you need to take a timeout there because it didn't, I'd have to go back and, and look at film, but um, I don't think you know, they had a wrong, had the wrong uh, personnel out there. I don't think they had, you know, I, I, I don't, I just don't think they had the, you know, the wrong personnel, I could be wrong, but even then, right, you know, it's not like you can't get all that personnel off the field at that point, right, and it's not in one of those positions where you got a 40-second play clock at that point, you can get, you could get a new unit on the field if you, if you're sitting, if you're standing there in a power set, or you got Rashawn, uh, Rashawn Yates in the, in the, you know, the fullback position like he's done on those short yardage. Like, it wasn't like you couldn't get those uh, big bodies off the field if you needed to. So, a little confusing there, but, you know, for the most part, pretty much positives. 
Uh, Bryce Miller played for the first time since the Florida A&M game. Uh, that was good to see. Um, Christian Williams obviously played for the first time since the NC State game. So, again, that was good to see. Uh, TJ Robinson looked like he might have gotten hurt again. Uh, looked like a leg. Uh, but I could be I could be wrong. Um, we'll see what his status is for the uh, East Carolina game, which, you know, USF gets a gets an opportunity to to play two games in in uh, in five days time and USF has a chance to turn one win into two pretty quick uh, but they are an underdog uh, in that regard so another kind of look real quick before I do get into the question portion at just some other weird crazy stats from Saturday night to show you the domination uh, USF had 34 first downs Temple only had eight uh, 27 of those 34 came on the ground for USF which is just asinine to think about. Um, just it, It's just crazy. USF doubled up Temple on yards. Uh, total yards, 526 to 231. Temple registered just 35 plays or 34 plays on a night. Um, again, which is crazy. USF didn't punt, uh, which, is, which is crazy. Uh, USF held on to the ball for 44 minutes and 35 seconds, uh, which is crazy. So... You know, pretty much everything aside from that, you know, I'm taking a look here. Uh, a lot of a lot of stats just, that just don't seem real. Jaron Mangum said it best uh, when he when I when I talked to him about the time of possession. Uh, it didn't seem that that seemed real. I uh, thought it was fake. So that was that was kind of a cool <laughs> an interesting moment. Uh, USF's leading tackler was Dwayne Boyles. He had six, and then everybody else had three. Uh, Mikayla Point, Matt Hill, Tony O'Greer had three. Um, like, when was the last time you saw a game where somebody, where your second leading tackler had three tackles? I mean, like, that's just, that's just crazy. That's just, that's just insane in my mind. So, that's, that, that's what I got. So, let me go ahead and transition into our questions real quick. If you are ever in a position that you've got a burning question, uh, stick around on my Twitter feed at WTurner247. I'm always asking for questions when I announce that I'm gonna, you know, announce the uh, I'm gonna do the post game podcast. So make sure if you ever do have a uh, burning question, please ask over there. So let's talk about uh, the corgi races. The corgi races. Okay. So 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 for my guy uh, Heath. Uh, any rumblings on corgi races? I heard people, me, are getting restless. I have not heard anything about corgi races, but I'd like to officially announce my uh, declaration that I would love some that I would love some uh, corgi races. The one against Temple was the only reason why that game was fun, or excuse me, against Tulsa, or, or not even Tulsa or Temple. Who the hell am I talking about? Tulane. Back in 2018, that was uh, that was fun, but no. So I haven't heard anything regarding corgi races. I do. I'd like to like to put my formal declaration um, that I would I would really like uh, the corgi races back. So um, they are they are a joy. Um, I love it. Um, I need it back. I need it in my life, please. So Michael Kelly, if you're listening, please get us another corgi date, uh, corgi race date set on the schedule, please, and thanks. Um, let's talk 
some other stuff here as we wrap this one up. And of course, I completely just ran away from that thread. There we go. How often from at USF Parade on Twitter, how often do teams go puntless? Uh, for USF, last time that was September 19th, 2009 versus Charleston Southern. Uh, it doesn't happen very often uh, that a team doesn't have a punt. And I, and I find it really, really interesting, right, that in at this point in the game, right, as I go back and take a look at here, the drives, USF goes for it on fourth and one from the Temple 12 to try and get that first down, extend the drive. It's like, it's like almost as if Spencer Schrader was at two of two already on field goals. Uh, they kept him off the field, and they decided to go for it there from the Temple 12, which, you know, I think at that point you have to – it's opportunity cost, right? You know, you go for it on fourth down, you may not get to stop. You're up, you're up 20 at that point, but at least you're guaranteed to make Temple drive the field, right? Because if you kick it deep, they're probably going to start at at least their 20 or their 25-yard line. And, you know, at least you're, at least you're pinning them deep for sure, right? You know, the only way you're not going to pin them deep is if you get a sack or something like that. And, you know, even then it's still the 20-yard line effectively at that point since you're at the 12. So I don't disagree with that. And uh, in another tweet, he he asked about the um, about the um, particular uh, fourth downs, and I didn't necessarily mind the fourth going for it on fourth down um, five times. Um, I really didn't. I thought it was good. I thought I I thought it was a good one uh, to to do that. Um, I don't disagree with those fourth down calls whatsoever. Um, I'd rather you know. Jeff Scott say he's going to be aggressive post game and they were actually aggressive in the football game. So I, you know, was, was, was fine with those. Um, I think, I think again, you could tell this staff is beginning to learn in terms of, you know, at the beginning of the month when they were presented with a fourth and one or fourth and two early in the, early in the game against SMU, they don't decide to go for it. So I think the staff is learning game situation. Their game management's getting a little bit better. Um, obviously, the timeouts are still something, but Jeff Scott didn't have to use any in the second half, so that was good to see. Um, so, yeah, you know. Uh, and then from from my guy, uh, Robert Stieg, who's been the most improved player year over year, and why is it Spencer Schrader? Um I think Spencer Schrader is a is a terrific example of player development. I think Spencer Schrader has done a fantastic job. And I think the special teams has done a fantastic job under Daniel DePrado. And I've said that before. Um, I think they they have they have done a terrific job improving that unit, and I think that tells you exactly what you need to know in terms of um just in, just uh, w- what that means to having a special teams coach, right? You know, under Charlie Strong, Justin Burke was labeled the special teams guy, but he wasn't the special teams guy. He was the um he was a tight ends guy and and, and they and they and, and that staff ended up giving all of the special teams assignments to an analyst. And that's part of why the the Cincinnati uh, game happened as it did when Schrader did miss those four. There was a miscommunication um, among those among those people making decisions about uh, Kobe Weiss's health at the time. And you know, I, obviously, I'm not going to beat a dead horse because I already beat it quite a bit when it was uh, in the moment. But 
you know, just those little miscommunications, right? Some uh, miscommunications, uh, you know, between all those folks. So uh, it's that's why you need a dedicated special teams coach. And, you know, uh, Coach Soprato doesn't always work special teams. He does help a little bit with safeties and defensive backs, but he he does work with the special teams units, and he's done a one heck of a job. All right, moving over to the questions on the message boards. I have three of them. From Tampa Bowl, any other insights of rostered guys that may enter the portal? This team is really buying into Scott and seems tired of losing. So, obviously, you know, I I, I, I hate speculating, of course. Um, I wouldn't say that I have... There's no, you know... It, it, it's tough because you don't want to say a guy's going to transfer and then they don't end up transferring. So I, you know, what, what I'm going to answer that question with is there's some, there's some guys on that are, that are still on this team from the Charlie strong days that didn't dress, um, against, um, that didn't dress in pads against, uh, temple. And got, those are guys that I could see, uh, you know, leaving leaving the program um, down the line. Now, we'll see what happens during the exit interviews with uh, in, in exit meetings uh, towards the end of the season. So I know that's probably not a, a, a terrific answer uh, for that question, but uh, I really don't want to speculate uh, guys that, that are, you know, that might be, uh, you know, leaving the program. It's kind of a, it's it's kind of a weird subject, especially since those guys never really hit, hit the uh, the the transfer portals. And uh, anyhow, so uh, let's talk about. Let's see. I got. I remember the question that I had on Twitter. So uh, from my guy CJ Trevetti, uh, Bulls Unite on Twitter. Uh, the offensive line has been good. How many of them return next year? Again, it's another one that's too early to tell, but I definitely think there will be a few guys that that potentially go uh, towards the NFL. In, in those regards, I think you know this is a terrific year for Donovan Jennings, Meech Harris, Brad Cecil, uh, for those guys if they wanted to per- perhaps um, look at their NFL prospects. I think this is a this is a, a year um, that they could go and do that. Remember, I think those guys are listed as seniors on the roster. Um, double check here. Yeah, so Meech is listed as senior. Cecil's listed, uh, listed as senior. And Donovan Jennings is, is listed as a senior as well. But remember, uh, those guys have an extra year that they could take. It's similar to... Um, it's similar to... You know, uh, the two linebackers between Antonio Greer and Dwayne Boyles. Those guys are both seniors. Those those guys have an extra year. To be to be um, to be clear, those guys have an extra year if they want to take it because of that COVID year. Um, so although they're listed as seniors, uh, they're they're effectively COVID year juniors. Uh, is, is basically the term that that I'm going to end up using uh, for those guys. Now, Demontre Jacobs, I think, was a senior coming into the year. Because uh, he had 17 was his redshirt season, 18, 19. Oh, he had two years of eligibility in 2020. Excuse me. So he will have 
one more year remaining if he chooses to return. So you should see Demontre. I would imagine you're going to see Demontre Jacobs in 2022. I don't see why you wouldn't. And then um, uh, Dustin Hall, who's played the majority of snaps at, at right guard, should be a pretty safe uh, should be a pretty safe bet um, for the next couple of years because he's only considered a a red shirt COVID year sophomore. I guess is what we're. I don't know. COVID year really really screws up a lot of the eligibilities. You don't really know who's there. Um, I don't expect to see Jarrett Hopple back next year. He's uh, been in college since 2016. Um, and I think his eligibility clock is, is nearing the end, even with the COVID year. Um, so I don't know if you'll see Jared Hopple next year. Same with Michael Wiggs. Uh, Michael Wiggs is, has been in college since, since 2016. And I think his eligibility clock is going to be over. Um, cause he had 2016 was red shirt season, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. So he's a 60 year senior. I don't think he's going to return for seventh. I wouldn't, I, I just don't know. Uh, if he's if he's gonna do that just yet, um, obviously it's t- still too early to tell on a lot of guys. But Wiggs and Hopple are kind of the two older guys in the room that um, might be a little bit more likely just to not stay heading into the heading into the twenty twenty two season. Um, that's kind of the two that I'm taking a look at. I think I think you'll see Josh Blanchard back. Without a doubt, I think you should see Matthew McDuffie back. He might get a, an improved role, um, you know, uh, next season. Uh, Sebastian St. Turling could be a guy. I don't know. He hasn't really played a whole lot. We'll, we'll see there. I think Uriah Green uh, was injured this year at some point. I don't know if he'll be back. Uh, Cole Best is obviously a true freshman. Donovan Jennings, uh, we've, we talked, talked about him and Brad Cecil. Uh, Andrew Kilfoyle uh, should be back. Um, Jeff Scott said that, that he got a little banged up today with a knee injury. They don't know how, uh, serious that is. I think Andrew Kilfoyle is going to be a stud. I think he's going to be a really, really good offensive tackle for USF down the line. It, it, it was ironic. I think in eight plays, he graded out second overall on PFF this week. Um, so that was really neat to see. Uh, same with Cesar Reyes. I think Cesar Reyes is going to end up being a stud. Um, I think I think those guys are 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 really 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 gonna be um, are gonna be really good players. I, I I between Kilfoyle and Reyes, I think the offensive line has got a really good uh, future. Um, and those two games alone, alone, I think Uriah Green should be good. I think Dustin Hall is gonna be a star down the line. So um, that's what I've got along the offensive line uh, for CJ. Let me go ahead and take my last two message board questions uh, for Bulls Fanatic. Um, was that Christian Williams, uh, first game back, uh, looked like he got burned deep for the touchdown, wondering how he played outside of that. So according to PFF, uh, if I remember correctly, as I move over to another window here on my computer, uh, Christian Williams did not play all that well from, from what I think I saw. Yeah. So Taking a look here at PFF in 24, he only played 24, uh, uh, PFF counts at 38 snaps. Um, he only played 24 snaps and was graded as the worst, uh, player. I don't have his targets right now in front of me. Um, as I take a look, I'll have to, I'll have to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, but yeah, so he was graded as a 38.3 with a 43.4 coverage grade, 51.7 in run defense, on 24 snaps so he didn't play all that well 
Uh, next lowest grade was Kevin Kegler with a 51.9, but but I don't think that really tells the whole the whole story with him. Uh, just simply because it was his first game in six weeks. Uh, so, so I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not upset with that. I'm not upset with that at all. Um, he's going to get better. Uh, guys like that need, need to be playing a lot of snaps and get back in a rhythm. And Christian just didn't get a chance to do that because they only played so little snaps. So, um, we should see, uh, that he's going to, he, he should probably be better, uh, in, uh, in, in week eight or week nine versus East Carolina. So we'll talk about that and, and we'll t- take a look uh, a little bit more at that. Uh, from Alpha Sigbull here as we wrap up, interested to see what 2021 guys uh, that haven't seen as much action uh, as guys like Timmy McLean and Jimmy Horn uh, that are excited to see down uh, the road. So, yeah, so I mentioned this a little bit preseason. Um, Gunner Greenwald, man, like I keep mentioning Gunner. I thought he was going to be an impact freshman. Uh, ha- just hasn't seen the field all that much. I think uh, I, I think that he is going to be a, a really, really good player. I just really do. Um, we'll see what happens there with, with him. We'll see if he gets some more time during the during the end of the, the season. But I think, um, you know, and I, and I think part of what has diminished his potential for playing time has been Chris Carter's play. And Chris Carter is a extremely good blocker. And I think Chris Carter has has earned the time on the field that he has, um, especially obviously with his effort play the other night um, against Temple. So, um, but I think Gunner uh, pass catching will be will be really important down the line for this USF team, and he's you know one I'm really excited to see. Uh, Kwan Powell, man, I really wish he would he could have played. I think Kwan Powell is going to end up being really good. The the running back out of Vernon um, got hurt this year uh, with, with with some sort of a knee injury uh, that kept him out for the year, probably a tear. So. Uh, want to see him back for 2022 and and definitely uh, he was one that was being talked about highly in fall camp so um i think devon hicks is going to be the next best guy uh after um after Dwayne boyles and antonio greer uh leave if they leave next season i think i think he's gonna be the next guy up in all honesty uh he played a few snaps against tulsa uh, last week, I, I noticed him, and it was kind of a big series too, if I remember right, that he was in. So um, it was good to see him in. I think he'll be, I think he'll be solid as well down the line. Jalen Herring uh, has played a little bit. I think he's going to be solid as well. And then I mentioned, I mentioned Andrew Kilfoyle, right? And I and I keep saying that that Andrew Kilfoyle is. I think Andrew Kilfoyle is going to end up being being one of uh, the best offensive linemen that usf has so we'll see we'll see how it goes obviously still a lot of time for these 2021 guys to 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 get um a lot of time for for these 2021 guys to to get uh some playing time down the road um still a lot of time for you know even some of these 2020 guys that that didn't get a, a lot of time like like sincere brown so um, and, um, you know, Tremel Logan seen, seen a lot of field, but, uh, you know, some of these other, uh, 2020, uh, guys and, in like a Jordan Smith or, or a, or a Cesar Reyes or, uh, AJ Hamilton or Levante Camiel, like those guys I'd like to see, um, kind of get in, in the mix as well, but they've got a load of time to do that. 
I didn't mention it at the top, but I was uh, drinking a Land Shark today. We were talking about beer on the last podcast a little bit at the start. Um, drinking a Land Shark lager, a little bit easier to drink. So as we went through this one, um, I, somebody somebody sent me a text and was like, "Hey, I'm 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 appreciative uh, appreciative of the beer conversation." So. You never know. I might 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 uh, continue to make appearances here on the Fletcher uh, and Fowler podcast just on a Monday. I didn't want to get too heavy before five o'clock uh, with a double IPA or anything like that. So I moved. Ironically enough, it was funny. I moved all of my. I had all my my out of state craft beer in the kitchen, and um, I moved it to the uh, to my office uh, in my house, and it's sitting off to my right here as I record this, and. It's kind of staring me in the face, so um, there's still a lot of good stuff <laughs> sitting right next to me. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more uh, as we get down the line, and I actually put it in the refrigerator because I typically I'm I'm a weird creature habit, right? Um, I will I will not drink. I, I I will group all the all the beer by their respective cities or regions, right? So I've got all the Ohio beer when I went to Cincinnati. Um, in a, in a little portion, I've got all the California beer when I went to Southern California this summer in a little section, um, Raleigh, um, Dallas, um, Utah, all that's kind of in their own little section. So, um, that's, that's kind of funny, but you know, just, but just a little bit of a creature of habit type of type of thing. Um, if anybody out there does have some, some beer su- suggestions as I make my way through, uh, on the way up to Greenville, uh, please let me know. Be happy to, to stop in. Uh, the, the nice part about driving to Greenville instead of flying to Greenville is I can stop wherever the heck I want. And at the same time, there's no weight restrictions, right? Normally, we're going to bring it back. I got to deal with these 50 pound weight restrictions, not pay 100 bucks at the airport. So there's no weight restrictions. So I think I'm heading to. Uh, obviously I'll pass through Jacksonville, pass through Savannah, pass, uh, through parts of South Carolina, um, Fayetteville, North Carolina, obviously Greenville, of course, I was going to go to the Outer Banks, but I don't think that's going to happen, uh, unless, uh, I'm not doing anything Saturday, I might go out that way, so maybe over there on that end, and then of course I'm going to end up circling back, uh, I got a Raleigh trip on Friday, or I'm, I'm road tripping back to Raleigh, so I've already got some beer from Raleigh, but if there's anything new in Raleigh, let me know. And then on the way back, obviously, I think I'm going to stop in, in Columbia, South Carolina, so uh, maybe if I go through Charlotte or something like that, or Columbia, uh, obviously I'm going to stop in Columbia to go see uh, Tab and Ward for uh, USF's newest commit. Um and then, of course, on the way down as well, if I go through Georgia or something like that. So let me know if you got anything. Feel free to tweet it at me, at WTurner247, or DM me or whatever. I am, uh, I am of course, always down to hear some, some good uh, beer suggestions. So with that, uh, we do appreciate you listening to the Fletcher and Fowler podcast. Again, we are on all four of the major podcast distributors between Apple, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Uh, feel free to give us some feedback there and hopefully give us a rating and hopefully, even more hopefully, it's, we hope it's a five-star rating. We hope you're enjoying the content that you're hearing. Uh, we should be back later this week with a pregame podcast with Stephen Igo from hoistthecolors.net. Steven's one of my favorite folks on the network and and, and uh, has been nearly a mentor to me, to be honest with you. So it'll be good. We'll hear from Steven later on this week about the East Carolina Pirates. 
as USF heads up to Greenville on this short week. Uh, buses will, will leave to go to the airport on Wednesday, and they will be in town on Thursday. or Well, later Wednesday, but they'll be ready to go for Thursday. So that'll be fun. Um, I'm excited for the road trip up to Greenville. It'll be the second time I've done it. Um, we're not going to talk about what happened the first time because um, it because it's not fun. I don't want to talk about it. It's it's rough. Um, let's just say there was a four thousand dollar car repair kind of mixed in there. So yeah, we're not going to talk about the rest of it. But um, so we should be back there. We'll have post game podcast uh, from maybe Dowdy Ficklin. I don't know. We'll figure that one out when we cross that bridge. Um, but yeah, so that's what we've got here on the Fletcher Fowler podcast. Again, if it was your first time listening. We appreciate it. If it wasn't, and you've listened for multiple episodes, we appreciate you you hanging out. Make sure to take care. Uh, make sure to take advantage of the deals over Bulls247.com. As I already mentioned earlier in the, in the in the podcast, there's a lot of USF fans that have. So make sure that you're on the wave. Uh, we're gonna be posting a lot of good stuff this week. Hopefully, um, it was huge. It was a mental roadblock for me that I need to get over, and uh, and I and I feel like and I and I feel motivated. So feel really really motivated to 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 deliver. So. We are excited to, to, to see what we can continue to uh, create as we go forward. But until then, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll catch you on the flip side and from North Carolina uh, later this week. But before that, we'll have our pregame podcast. Uh, so this won't be the last time you hear from us this week. So till then, everybody stay safe. We appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Have a great day, y'all.